Hi, folks. It's Rabbi Sharon Brouse here. You are listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our guest speakers, our teachers, anything we think worth listening to that we can capture, you can hear right here. Thank you so much for being with us. I often wonder about the details that appear in our Torah and those details that are omitted. For example, the Torah is in such a rush that it doesn't tell us what happened the day that Cain and Abel went out into a field and began to fight with each other. And Cain ultimately grew so angry that he killed his brother. That seems like an important detail that the Torah might've wanted to tell us. Or for example, the Torah never tells us Noah's name. So she's just called Eshet Noah. Like it doesn't have time to name her. Or, or how the 10 generations that came before Noah became so cruel so fast until the entire earth was poisoned with violence. We just don't have answers to any of these questions. And there are many, many more throughout the rest of the Torah that leave us wondering. And in some ways, that's where the Midrash, where the rabbinic tradition ends up trying to fill in a lot of those gaps because there's so many details that we don't get. And yet we've now entered a part of the book of Exodus in which we see extraordinary detail given to the garments that are worn by the Kohen Gadol, by the high priest. Today, we're gonna learn that he has on his head a tzitz. This is a smooth plate of pure gold. Its width is two finger breaths and it encircles his forehead from ear to ear. And we even know what it says on that golden plate. It's inscribed with the words Kodesh Ladonai, Kodesh Lashem. Okay, if you started to tune out the moment I said golden head plate or high priest, I wanna say that I totally feel you. The layers and layers of details about these garments that are worn by the high priest could not feel in some ways more superfluous or more irrelevant for our time. This time of storm and suffering, pandemic and, and poverty. How dare the Torah take the time to describe the folded turquoise wool of the priest's robes while telling us nothing, nothing about the several hundreds of years of oppression under Pharaoh that preceded the birth of baby Moses. And so I'm going to ask you to bear with me. I'm going to ask you to bear with Grover because he too is going to dive into these details in a few moments to help us find meaning. Our rabbinic tradition is committed to finding both metaphorical and allegorical meaning in every single detail. And Grover and I this morning are going to do that as well by looking at two different such details that emerge from this week's Parsha. The one that I want you to think about with me for a few moments is this headband. And, and you can imagine it if you're having trouble envisioning it like Wonder Woman's headpiece, that gold piece that goes just around the, the top of her head. The one that says Kodesh Lashem holy to God. What our tradition tells us is that when God sees those words drawn across the high priest's forehead, God is awakened to the high priest's humanity and to his holiness, to his power as a creative being. So when the priest makes a mistake, which is inevitable, like all priests and all rabbis and all people pastoring community, they will make mistakes. Say, for example, he offers a, 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 the wrong sacrifice. Instead of killing him, God's going to see that headband and respond gently and with love, giving the priest the benefit of, of the doubt that there's a lot of goodwill that is, is gained by wearing this thing on his head. 
So I want to ask you to imagine for a moment, not what happens when God sees the high priest, but what happens to the people, the regular people who encounter the high priest when he's wearing this golden headband. What happens is they know, they realize that they're connecting with someone who is loved by God, Kodesh Ladonai, who's holy to God. And they feel awed by this person. And they treat him with the kavod, with the honor that is due to a king. They wouldn't dare to do otherwise. But the power of this tzitz, this, this golden headband, is actually multi-directional. It's not just about the goodwill that comes toward the priest. It's about what he gives out to the world as well. Ibn Ezra teaches that this tzitz is worn right over the temples, which signals the part of the brain where all five senses come together. Therefore, he says, it's the seat of our imagination. So what happens to the priest when he puts it on is not magic. It's not a golden magical headband. He's reminded to lead not from his basest instincts, but from his boldest imagination. Think about that for a minute, just like a wedding band, which is designed to remind a person of her commitments to her partner and the kippah which is designed to remind a person uh, uh, of his commitment to God. Wearing this band on his head, the Kohen Gadol, remembers to look at every person and every situation, not as what is, but as what could be, to employ his deepest imagination as he walks through the world. This week, this past week, we reached the unthinkable marker 500,000 Americans dead from coronavirus, a pandemic that we were assured just a year ago was no more dangerous than the common cold or the yearly flu. And yet it's upended our lives and it's brought unthinkable sorrow to this country and around the world. This week also marked the yard site, the anniversary of the death of Ahmad Arbery, a black man who was murdered when he went out for a jog last year. I wonder what this past year would have looked like had we dared to treat one another as Kohanim, as high priests, to walk through the world as if we were wearing that golden headband that activated our most audacious imagination about every other human being we saw, that invited us to see one another not as potential viral carriers or even vaccine competitors, but as images of the Holy One, to look at one another, as if we were all wearing that gold-plated band that indicated that God's glory rested upon the other. Because our rabbis want to make sure that we don't think that this honor, this glory is reserved only for the high priest. No, this honor belongs to every single person. Listen to the story that they tell in Tractate Yoma in the Talmud. So they tell the story of the high priest who's walking out of the temple of the Beit HaMikdash after finishing the service on Yom Kippur. It's the holiest day of the year. And all of the people see him and this giant crowd starts to follow after him and they're singing and they're celebrating until they see two young scholars named Shemaya and Avtalion. And when they see these two guys, they turn and follow these two instead. These two scholars happen to not only be brilliant, but they are descendant from converts and the, the Kohen, the high priest is devastated. And the rabbis tell this story to signal a shift from the old way of thinking to the new, from honor and dignity achieved through bloodline and achieved through status 
instead to honor that's achieved through study and achieved through humanity, a kind of honor that anyone can access. That's a gutsy move on the part of the rabbis. The holiness of even the Kohen Gadol, the greatest of the great, the holiest of the holies must be shared by everybody. And Rabbi Meir says it explicitly in Avodah Zarah when he argues, he says, Afilu Oved Kohavim Vosek Kohen Gadol. Everyone, everyone, even those who aren't Jewish, they can all achieve the same level of holiness as our high priest. Think about the radical statement that the rabbis are making here. This is a highly stratified, patriarchal, hierarchical society. And they're saying the dignity, the honor, the holiness that the high priest embodied and engendered when he wore that seats on his forehead, that's not just his birthright, that's all of our birthright. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what you look like, no matter who you love, each of us, all of us, you and I too, are worthy of that honor and that love. For a whole year now, as the image of the Holy One has been trampled and trashed across this country, as we've again and again seen those charged with protecting us choose profit over people, I've been going to bed and I've been waking up with an image that I've shared with this community again and again, an image that comes from the Midrash of a world in which every person is surrounded by a procession of angels wherever he goes. And these angels are blowing trumpets, shofarot, and they're proclaiming, make way for the image of the Holy One is approaching. And now I add to that image, the vision of every person getting up in the morning and walking out of her home with the seats of gold on her forehead, enlivening in her, her fiercest imagination and garnering from everyone who sees that person awe and respect and the honor befitting of royalty. I'm thinking about what it would take to hold every black man who goes out for a jog, to hold every resident, every elderly resident of an old folks home, every child seeking asylum at our border as an image of the Holy One. What would it mean for us to hold every trans person and every non-binary person who endures the taunts not only of bullies in middle school, but now also in Congress? What would it mean to hold every person who, as this isolation deepens, feels forgotten, their grip slipping from the world, every one of them, every one of us as a manifestation of God, of the Holy One. The Torah starts with the high priest because we can fathom giving that kind of honor to one person. We can imagine seeing the good, the holiness, the worth in one person. The psychic numbing comes to us when we try to find the good everywhere, to care about everything. But to care about one, that we can do. For the past several weeks, I've been following closely the story of a young girl who was in a terrible accident last month and for weeks struggled to hold on to life. Her family is not part of our community. I don't know them. And there's death and there's illness and there's suffering and there's sorrow all around us inside our community and all around the world. And yet every day I would stay up to date on how this one sweet girl was faring and my heart would break for her and for her family as they witnessed her suffering. And I kept wondering, why did this one story touch me so deeply amidst all the suffering around us? 
And I know it's because that's how our hearts work. We learn how to feel or we're reminded how to feel, not by feeling for everybody, but by feeling for one. You can't love everyone if you don't love someone. The danger is when we fail to extrapolate from the experience of giving and receiving love, when we neglect to broaden our horizon of moral concern from the one to the many. If every single person can achieve the same holiness as the Kohen Gadol, then every single person is worthy of the honor and the dignity we'd have given to the high priest. And we ourselves are deserving of it too. What would such a world look like? I'll close by telling you a story that's told of Rabbi Israel Salanter, who lived in the 1800s. He was the founder of the Musser movement. And it's said that once he visited a new matzah bakery in order to potentially offer it kashrut certification to say that the food made there was kosher. So he walked through the plant, he carefully reviewed the manufacturing procedures, he, he witnessed the way that the employees worked, and he ultimately refused to offer his certification, saying that as long as the worker's dignity was diminished in that plant, there was no way that he could call the food that they produced there kosher. Another time he was asked the demands what he was, he was asked what we had to pay particular attention to when baking matzah. And he answered, one must be scrupulous not to yell at the women who are kneading the dough. In other words, not only must we pay our workers a minimum wage, but how about a living wage? That's the world that I imagine us living in. That's the world we're fighting for, a world in which we see and we are seen as images of the Holy One, a world in, 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 that's drenched in dignity and rooted in love, not only for those select few who are deemed worthy because of their power or money or access, but all of us, every single one of us. And maybe that's why the Torah, so scant on details, chose to tell us the story of, the, of, of this priest and his golden headband that stretched from temple to temple so that we could begin to envision ourselves and one another in such a thing, every person, every day, and then live as if it really mattered because it really, really matters. I wish you all Shabbat Shalom. Hey everybody, Randy Sklar here. I'm an eCar member. And Jason Sklar here. I'm an eCar fan. Yeah, and we uh, love eCar so much. We love the message that eCar uh, delivers in their many podcasts. And we feel like most people feel there aren't a lot of podcasts in this world. I think there are only two or three. There's only a couple. So what we'd like you to do is donate to eCar. Get eCar-LA.org uh, so that they can do more podcasts and more cool things. Because Lord knows the world needs more podcasts. Yep.